streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me talking Michigan-UConn. We're going to recap the Wolverines' 59-0 win. And, and in some of our conversations, it, it will also span to all of non-conference play since they have they have gotten through the the cupcakes of the schedule. I still think there's a few blowout wins awaiting Michigan later this season, but, but in terms of the games where, you know, even the third string guys could probably pull out a double digit win. Those days are now behind us. Michigan is three and O unsurprisingly, they have their highest scoring margin through three games since what 1947. And the other, the only other teams that have been close have been the 1902, 1903, 1904. Those those were insane. I mean, but they were playing, you know, schools that don't even have football teams anymore. But regardless, it's been a very dominant start. In the first half of this episode, we'll look at the offensive side of the ball. In the second half, we'll look at the defensive side of things. Plenty, plenty to discuss on both sides. And Steve, I, I guess my my first question for you is: You've seen three games. You've seen the offense. You've seen. Different playmakers get involved. I'm sure we'll talk about a couple of players who got a little more run on, on Saturday than they've been getting. What gives you the most confidence about Michigan's offense and what you've seen through the first three games? So I did write about this. I was like, this was something that really, really is continues to stand out. And it's not the biggest thing. Uh, I'm not as, you know, there are some people a little bit of concern that Michigan's offensive line hasn't just completely uh, enveloped like the opposing defense yet and just uh, you know basically uh, just beat the hell out of, of the other team up front Michigan's blocking on the edge is almost looks elite between Bell and Johnson especially uh, I'd throw you know, Wilson in there as well yeah like though like those I was when I said that I was almost thinking of like how Wilson's sort of been the beneficiary so far, but yeah, same deal where he's a guy that they could put out there. Um, but I loved what they did yesterday offensively. Honestly, I, I and I wrote about this after right after the game. Those bubble screens are going to be so. I think that just opens up so many things for Michigan, and not only the fact that they ran them consistently yesterday, but McCarthy is so good at getting the ball out quickly and putting it like in the perfect spot for the receivers, having that second level have to think or worry about that being a, being a thing is huge for Michigan. Um, it, Cause it just, it stretches you out horizontally a little bit. You can run the football off of that. You can throw the ball downfield because you're worried about the short pass. Like I just think, I really liked what they did. And so I actually kind of think to me that in itself is like one of the most impressive things. And one of the things I'm most, if you're optimistic about Michigan's offense, I think that you should be looking at that uh, because like I said, elite blockers on the edge, they have elite athletes at the position. So the guy that's getting the ball is capable of making a play. And again, that could be Roman Wilson, could be Ronnie Bell, could be Cornelius Johnson, could be AJ Henning could be Donovan Edwards when he's healthy. Uh, you know, 
And then, and then not only that, but uh, you know, just the edge blocking with the, even at the tight end position too. Uh, they just, they, they are really playing well on the outside and uh, with McCarthy's arm and his ability, you know, I just think it, it opens up a whole bunch of stuff. I like, it's definitely not a coincidence to me that Michigan ran that play into the ground yesterday. I think they do it to set a lot of other stuff up for their offense. Yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, I kind of pointed out in the preview, UConn was either going to try to take away Michigan's deep ball passing or try to take away the stuff in the flats. They were not going to be able to do both. And so, yeah, it seemed like they were trying to do the anti Hawaii and really take, get rid of the, the stuff down the seams, get rid of the stuff, you know, 20 yards downfield. And, and Michigan was fine with that. You know, JJ McCarthy attempted six passes, 10 or more yards downfield. He completed three of them. None of them were more than, 20 yards downfield. I mean, this was very much a keep it simple, not simple in terms of X's and O's, but, but, you know, in terms of degree of difficulty, it was a keep it simple offensive game plan. And it worked. It worked. I mean, Roman Wilson's got great quickness. I think he's got really good vision with the ball in his hands. AJ Henning as well. Uh, He was a guy who only had one catch through the first two games. He had four on Saturday. So yeah. And then in terms of the blocking, Pro Football Focus, they do run blocking grades. And through three games, Ronnie Bell leads the team with an 88.6 run blocking grade. Roman Wilson is third on the team with a 77.8, which is very good. Andrew Anthony is fifth, 72.3. You know, anything above 70, you're you're definitely above average in Power 5 football. And, and anything above 80, speaking to Bell, is considered great to elite so yeah I thought I thought that was that was big and and you know in terms of the the game plan I mean make someone stop it you know if Maryland comes out next week and says no bubble screens then we'll find out you know if Michigan what the rest of their passing offense or or you know getting the ground game more involved might look like but really I think it it really works because they do have the blockers they do have the uh, I guess, array of playmakers. And that would be my biggest, you know, in terms of what has impressed me the most in non-conference plays. I had a feeling that it would be the case, but their ability to just put the ball in like eight or nine different players' hands and feel comfortable that they're going to make some plays. I mean, it's crazy to me that that Michigan's been able to put up all these points. Andrew Anthony has one catch, I believe. Eric All has less than 50 yards receiving. I think Luke Schoonmaker's right around 50. You know, I think, I think uh, Cornelius Johnson has had a, you know, he, he was pretty quiet yesterday. I mean, it's, it's just amazing to me that Donovan Edwards didn't even play, that they can have these, you know, different games, different opponents, and it's just very hard to scout for it. It's kind of like a basketball team that has five different shooters. Like at some point, your defense is just spread too thin. And I think at some point, you know, Michigan's opponents are, are going to, even the good ones, right? We're trying to think of stuff that isn't just Michigan's better than UConn, end of story. But I, I think even the better defenses on Michigan's schedule are going to struggle to cover everybody and, and have the right personnel to match. Because if they, if they try to go with, you know, a, a smaller, faster back seven, well, then the tight ends might get their way. And if they try to, you know, stop the run game, then then Michigan's going to be able to to spread the ball around. So, 
that that to me in terms of like opponent neutral i think that's the part that that's really the most impressive steve through three games on offense is there anything that concerns you maybe not more than you expected but but maybe more than the score would suggest like you're looking beyond just the the stats and the box score and saying ah curious to see if you know the top defenses on michigan's schedule are going to be able to have success here anything jump out to you i mean not not really i guess uh and you kind of illustrated why with your with the some of their better players either not playing or just statistically not making a huge dent in the box score yet and they're still basically done what they've wanted and like the way it always like the way it always goes is like we don't know what Michigan like exactly what they're trying to do and you know and and these are over three overmatched opponents they've played so far you know what are they working on what what are they doing up front in particular you know are they you know it's because like like I said a lot of people are going right to the offensive line you know not not super dominant but to me I mean they've basically been able to do whatever they've wanted to do so far um you know, I think with McCarthy being the guy, not as concerned about the lack of downfield offense, let's say yesterday in particular, not a thing to me. I don't think that's a, something. To, and again, we talk about the bubble stuff is going to set that all up anyway. I mean, I guess if there's anything and it's not really even a thing is just uh, the health. You know, is Trevor Keegan, how, how serious is Trevor Keegan's injury? Will Donovan Edwards be back next week? You know, I think Edwards in particular, a guy we've talked a lot about is what, what he can do for them offensively and, and the different looks that 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 he can give defenses and that defenses have to account for him whenever he's on the field. So could be that, you know, but but otherwise, I mean, like I said, it's it's this is where it gets kind of difficult to with the opponent in mind, it gets kind of difficult to to nitpick and and wonder you know, what could they be doing differently? What, what needs improvement in, and we know there's gotta be improvement somewhere. Uh, but again, it's like, in, unless we're actually in the film room or we're in the game when we're there game planning with them, very difficult to know the nuances of what they're trying to run, what they're trying to tweak offensively, um, knowing that they're going to win these games and, and, they, but, you know, wanting to go into conference season with, with a full arsenal of stuff, uh, to kind of unleash and, and let go against some of these better teams. I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I think anyone with like a capital C concern when Michigan outscored its opponents, what, 166 to 17, you know, might might be extrapolating one or two plays and, and conveying it into an opinion. But yeah, in terms of kind of baking in the preseason sentiments or feelings of, of these different players. I think, I think two things stand out to me as, as something I'm keeping an eye on, or at least keeping in mind when I'm thinking about Michigan versus Iowa, for example, because that's probably, that's probably Michigan's first true defensive challenge. And it will be a challenge no matter what you think of Iowa as a, as an offense, you know, their defense is very good. So I think pass protection, there's just a, a, a few too many whiffs, you know, moments where even even an overmatched defense is is getting not just a sack, you know, because sometimes sacks, it's like 
you know, four or five seconds in the pocket and no one is open coverage stacks, I guess is the term, but like pretty hard hits on the quarterbacks. Uh, so that's one thing. And then still think Blake Corum impressed me with his short yardage runs up the middle, but still think Michigan isn't quite mowing down the middle of the off of the line for its running backs. Like it did last season, which in a way is good. You know, Michigan got through last season in Michigan's non-conference games. It was, the story was the run game. And, you know, the takeaway was, are they too reliant on the run game? And obviously the answer turned out to be no, but, but this is a more diverse offense. It seems to be one that has emphasized, you know, getting downfield via pass more often. And that's going to help them in the long run of the season. But I still think running between the tackles, both vision, blocking, scheming, play calling, I think is still something that, that could be ironed out. Uh, you know, it was, it was effective near the end zone Saturday, but I, I still think, you know, if, when I was doing my grades, the one A minus I gave out was the rushing offense, just because I felt like there were some yards left on the field. And Jim Mora, I think, you know, no matter what you think of his coaching career, right, he is known as a defensive coach, known as a run stopping defensive coach. So, Certainly, he was going to be a little bit better prepared for that than other teams. But at the same time, something I'm still keeping an eye on, you know, and I think next week will be a good gauge for, you know, kind of what, what they have in pass pro, but also in the event that they are tested and do need, you know, like it's a got to have it actually somewhat high stakes third and three, you know, what kind of what kind of play do they get in those situations? We're going to hit a quick break on the other side. We'll have a lot of similar questions about the defense after the Wolverines pitch their first shutout of the season. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. And we're back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, I think you and I are in agreement that more questions entering the season were on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to the Wolverines. And that's probably still the case, but... I think you and I are in line. I, I came away pretty impressed with the defense in non-conference play. You know, I thought the back seven linebackers, safeties, cornerbacks, way more at, well, definitely more athletic, maybe not way more athletic, but more athletic than they have been in past seasons. And in my opinion, athletic enough to really hang with a lot of the top offenses Michigan's going to face this season. You know, thinking about some of the other Big Ten teams, not Ohio State. I think I think they still need more of a pass rush, and that's in that kind of matchup. But thinking about the Penn State's, Michigan State, you know, this is a very athletic back seven. I think I came away. They're probably the winners of non-conference play, in my opinion. The athleticism they showed, the coverage abilities they showed. I thought the the ability to get to the backfield or stop the run. You know, Junior Colson, Mike Sane were still R.J. Moten. These are players who are getting into the backfield and generating tackles for loss. And Jamon Green, DJ Turner, and Will Johnson are all really showing themselves in terms of ability to force incompletions, limit targets, and just shut down the receivers. That's, you know, it'll be, in, Maryland will test that. But at the same time, I came away very impressed with the athletic back seven. That's probably the part of Michigan's defense that really, jumped off the page the most over the last three weeks. How about you? What's what, you know, you, you had a feeling about what the defense would look like through three games and then you got to see what it looked like. What's really jumping out to you as something, maybe a feather in their cap or, 
or a big strength that they're going to be able to lean on all season? Well, I had something. So feather in your cap and big strength, I think, are two sort of different routes to go. So I'll, I'll go each one individually. Uh, feather in the cap, I think two guys that have really emerged and look like guys who can can be difference makers are Makari Page and Mike Sainer still. I was just going to guess Makari Page for sure. Right. I mean, I've been I've been tweeting about Makari Page. I've been talking about Makari Page for a while. He was an X factor for us going into fall camp. I think he has maybe gotten past X factor level as just being a factor. You know, he did like five different major things yesterday in the game. Uh, they brought him up in the box. He stuffed a run play, or at least I think forced the runner uh, back. He didn't even play the edge. I mean, he was pretty much like blew the play up, like like met, met the linebacker in the box. The running back had nowhere to go. Very next play, he almost intercepts uh, a third down pass. And then later in the game, like drills the receiver coming across the middle. I mean, he just, you know, you – we talk about positionless basketball a lot. It was like, and I know, I think you're starting to, we hear it a little bit in football now, like positionless, like, but really a guy that Michigan has not just can do a lot of things with, but has done of many different things with already. And just really a guy who, when we think of like highly recruited guys, we're thinking first, second year impact, but sometimes guys maybe take a little bit longer. He's definitely coming into his own right now. And I think we said it going into the year, that's a best case scenario because they do not have a guy who is physically uh, like him on their roster. A guy who projects that safety, but is big enough to occasionally bring up, you know, you're not afraid. You can put him out there in a running situation and not worry about it. So his emergence has been big. I think yeah, we talk about Mike Sainer still. That's what we said before we got on uh, a guy that really kind of looks like he like, as good as he's been for Michigan at receiver, we were actually, we were talking about the blocking on the edge in the last segment. I mean, you talk about he was a guy that was maybe the best at it for a couple of seasons there. I mean, that's where he really made a lot of his uh, big plays was, was helping other guys get open. But he looks like somebody who maybe could have been who could have been a better defensive player uh, if he had started there for his career. And I mean that positively too. Again, I think he was a good, a very valuable piece offensively, but just looks like a guy who isn't like, isn't just athletic and doesn't just know, but again, not afraid to play aggressively on the defensive side of the ball. You always kind of wonder about that. Like a guy you bring over from offense to play defense, will they, you know, because, you know, it's just different playing both sides, playing each side of the ball, you know, and a guy like playing the defensive backfield, will he attack? Will he play aggressively? Uh, not an issue with him he he's created as much havoc for the quarter like for through three games for the for the opposing quarterbacks as anybody has in the defense honestly so I think those two guys stepping up has been big I think we've seen and like this is another I think a good sign heading into conference season I think almost every young guy that Michigan is playing up front has shown legitimate flashes at one point or another uh look at a guy like kenneth grant yesterday comes in completely blows i don't know if it was the center or one of the guards completely blew the offensive lineman off the ball and they had they double teamed him i think he had what 10 or 11 snaps yesterday uh he was double teamed for at least four 
of the snaps that I that I saw him on the field for. This is, and he's not even a guy. I, he might not even be in the two deep yet. You know, he might be knocking on that door. But either way, you know. And then you talk about a guy like Mason Graham, who has shown it in different situations. George Rooks had the fumble recovery yesterday. Uh, Rayshon Benny's played some good football. Like those guys that we kind of talked about in the preview episode up front of the defensive line. You know, we know Chris Jenkins had a, Chris Jenkins had a great game yesterday. Mozzie Smith looked good. Uh, you know, even Derek Moore you know, was really effective when he was in there yesterday. Uh, Iabioki, another one, came right in. He's, I was like, he's guys like, you know when he's out there. Uh, he immediately, so I think Michigan's emerging depth up front also. Like is, again, these are the things we were wondering if we'd see it from Michigan. Uh, so so those are kind of my things. Because again, I, I kind of was always in the camp. I think we knew what we'd get out of DJ Turner. I was talk until I blew in the face about Jamon Green bouncing back. That looks like a real thing. Again, like a team like Maryland is going to challenge Michigan a little bit more on the edge. So we'll see how far, like how far along those guys are really at. But I think as far as like feather in the cap, like that type of stuff, I think what I, you know, what I already talked about is are kind of the things that I've looked at. Yeah. Their, their hit rate on the players that we were curious about, I think has been really high. You know, Mike Sainer still, a month ago, it was kind of a wild card. I think people assumed that if he was still playing there and starting there, that it would be a good fit. But it's been it's been about as good as you can imagine. Coverage stats. I thought he he's starting to starting to look a little like Dax Hill in terms of getting into the backfield and and making the most out of his occasional you know pass rushing snaps. I think Jamon Green. You know, we were wondering about the bounce back. We were, I think you were very confident in it. I, I was pretty sold on it. Ended up being one of my bold predictions. But at the same time, for him to actually do it and and look as good as he has, I mean, he's looking like an all-Big Ten cornerback right now. He really is. If he does it against Maryland, that sentence carries a little bit more weight. But for now, he's done everything he's been asked to do. And yeah, Makari Page in that secondary, I think it's the third guy. Six foot four, 200 pounds. So he can, he has the length and the, and the height to really play with any sort of tight ends or you know bigger wide receivers uh you know be effective in the run game or his his occasional snaps in the box but then he's 200 pounds and has some pretty good quickness so it's not like he's going to get burned by any you know too many people either so yeah really i i think michigan's doing cartwheels that makari page is having the start that he's having i think the big concern for me is i i still you know this is the this is the part of me that's like, I want to see it against a better team is I, I think that defensive front, not quite as much of a pass rush second game in a row against UConn. Uh, not, you know, the Colorado state game was great, but Hawaii and UConn, I think the pass rush was good, solid. Okay. Whereas against those kind of teams, you probably want a little bit more of an impression. You want you want a sack. You want more than just occasional quarterback hurries. You want to really have a, a game, not game-altering, play-altering pass rush on a more consistent basis. So that's that's the concern. I guess the plus side of up front is, and you saw it yesterday, UConn has a good rushing attack. It did not look good Saturday. You know, they 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 are a pretty solid run team. I don't think that they're comparable to a power five run team that Michigan might face, but at the same time. You know, Michigan really swallowed 
a lot of those plays up. Uh, I felt like every carry, you know, if it wasn't one guy making the tackle, there were two others right there. And that's, you know, that's a coach's dream is that, you know, it's, you're not leaving one or two guys out there to make these plays. It's, it's the whole line, really good reading of, of the play, good reaction and good pursuit and good pursuit from the, from the front line. And then also the second level. I mean, think about how many, how many defensive backs made plays around the line of scrimmage yesterday, not just in coverage, but also in run defense. So feeling still feeling pretty good about the run defense, but I think if there was a concern, it would be the pass rush. Steve, anything else concern you about Michigan's defense? I, it's it's hard to say because UConn and Hawaii especially just couldn't seem to complete passes. But, but anything jump out to you as as something that that you're keeping an eye on next week? Because next week they are playing a pretty good offense in Maryland. Uh, I think it's probably the the rushing four you know, and not getting there. So we know like Hawaii, especially I have to rewatch yesterday's game a little bit more, but Hawaii definitely one, two, three throw. So there was not, you know, yes. You can right. Similar. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like both teams were really, really trying to get the ball out as quickly as possible. So that's one of those, but, but even in, but there are, you know, there's certain scenarios, third and long, even second and long where you do kind of get to, you do get an idea or, or get to watch and see what they can do with four men up front. And it didn't quite, you know, again, this is still kind of nitpicky, but uh, maybe not quite getting there as quickly as you would think against those types of teams. But uh, otherwise, I mean, yeah, like I think we'll know a lot more, like I'm like, I think maybe you're in the same boat. I'm finally excited for next. I'm excited for next week's game. Cause I feel like we'll have a lot more, to discuss, um, you know, we, it won't be so nitpicky because we're going to see things. Because, yeah, Maryland, Michigan's dominant. I mean, if there's one team in the Big Ten that Michigan just always seems to obliterate, it's Maryland. But they're still going to be a significant step up from what Michigan's faced so far. So, yeah, probably pass rush type things. But, again, it's just hard to know. Again, I, I was saying the same thing I did on offense. What's Jesse Minter doing? What are they, you know, I think – Definitely, it seemed like they preferred to sit back a little bit, and I think that's because they want to get, you know, generate some kind of pass rush with four or even three when they're running it. But, uh, again, I think you're splitting hairs, grasping at straws, don't really know exactly what Michigan's trying to do. Uh, You know, so, yeah, it's kind of nitpicky, but but I'd go with the pass rush, if anything. Yeah, and I don't think either of us are (laughs) going to – you know, have pride to swallow if Michigan comes out against Maryland and and is, you know, really dominating in the pass rush. I, I think it's just simply have not seen it yet. I don't think that they're incapable of it, but I think there's still development. And I think one thing that really helped, if I were to shout out a player up front that we haven't talked about yet, I thought Braden McGregor did really well against the run yesterday. And to me, that's a really encouraging sign for Michigan, because I, I think him and Derek Moore, who also I think had some good plays against the run yesterday. I mean, I think both of them, it's, it's kind of a matter of when they start to get a you know bigger role. And part of it was being able to defend, being able to do pass rush and run defense. You know, so it's not just third and eight when Braden McGregor gets out there. It can be, you know, third and two and or third and five and then then suddenly he's involved in more of those plays so I thought I think there's growth and I think you're starting to see the rotation whittle down a little bit 
but I do think, yeah, there is still that next level. You know, Yabioki is, is probably a perfect example of someone like if he can put it all together by, you know, the Michigan's bye week, say the second half of the season, similar to maybe like a Rod Moore last season. Granted, they're playing different positions, but you know, that could really help Michigan down the stretch. So I think there's a lot of still a lot of pass rushing potential up front. I think the big thing is is one getting that rotation sorted out, and then two, you're getting players comfortable in multiple different types of situations, not not assignment rushing. You know, Yabioki, I think both plays that he's made in the backfield so far this season, he the guy the other team wasn't even like they didn't even notice him. You mentioned you you know when he's out there. The other team didn't look like it based on, you know, he didn't even face a block. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because, you know, big 10 teams, better scouting, better preparation and better personnel to, to defend, you know, against pass rushers and, and guys up front. But regardless, I, I came away very impressed with Michigan's non-conference slate. You know, I saw like every publication that covers Michigan had some variation of Michigan, you know, dominating their opponents now the real test begins i kind of woke up today steve i don't know about you i I woke up thinking maybe michigan just is really good you know you watched how many different teams struggle over the past few weeks against fcs opponents or or pretty low rated you know fbs kind of the group of five cupcakes michigan what really impressed me the most about the team is that they they never struggled there was never a moment where anyone was even remotely concerned about Michigan, not just for them winning the game, but, but a lack of penalties, a lack of mental mistakes, really not a lot of blown assignments. It's particularly among the starters. I mean, you probably can count on one hand, the number of true capital M mistakes, Michigan starting 22 have made. And so to me, I'm, I'm cognizant and I wrote about Michigan's lack of strength of schedule but I kind of came away thinking, you know, this isn't Michigan just blowing out bad teams. This is Michigan playing really clean football, playing really crisp fo- football, and crushing opposing teams. Not just beating them or putting up a, a you know, good-looking score. Like, just imposing their will on both sides of the ball. All three sides, you can add special teams in there. And playing w- really well-rounded, almost machine-like football. You know, I really, I thought, um, you know, Jim Morris quotes yesterday talking about Michigan being a, a national title contender and having, having 140 guys like an army where they all run fast. They all make the smart play. They all get to the football. They all block hard. I, I get that the games are going to get tougher, but I, I'm more sold on Michigan now than I was three weeks ago because I just how clean they're playing, how disciplined they're playing. And, and, you know, I think there's two different ways to, blow out a cupcake the first one is you kind of dink around you have mistakes you have penalties you have drop passes you have missed tackles so on and so forth but you ultimately are just the better team and you win by 40 and then I think Michigan's doing something different where they are they're playing clean mistake-free football putting up a 40 burger by halftime two weeks in a row really and then getting to play 101 players Steve, you and I and, and other reporters, we, we cover Michigan as hard as anyone. I don't think I could name off the top of my head 101 Michigan football players. I probably could now that they've played, but but I mean it's it's incredible how many different players have been Michigan's been able to get involved. And that's because they played such a disciplined, unmoving, mistake-free brand of football. 
So Steve, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but, but, you know, I hear a lot of, Oh, now the real tests begin. I think there's just a real possibility that Michigan's just better than they've ever been, at least in, in the modern. I mean, I think this could be Michigan's best team. And so I, I, that was kind of my takeaway was especially Saturday because Saturday was about as perfect of a game you can throw. If you're a football team playing another FBS team, UConn's terrible, but that was also UConn's worst loss in 103 years. So I came away, I came away more impressed than I expected to be, even with an understanding of how weak their strength of schedule has been so far. So the yeah, the mistake-free stuff is opponent independent, right? You can be playing a bad team and still make mistakes, uh, unforced errors. So we yeah, we did not see many of those from Michigan. You're you're kind of you're kind of convincing me a little bit. Uh, you're usually a little more harsh than I am and probably in a, probably in a good way, honestly. Uh, so I think sometimes I, I can be a little bit rosy with Michigan, but it's hard not to agree when you talk about just uh, the word I always look for. is like when they, when the team looks, you know, when a team looks crisp and like that Michigan has looked totally crisp uh, all three games so far. And yeah, there hasn't been that like lull. Uh, I mean, if, if we're talking about a lull, we're literally talking about maybe individual plays at certain points in the game. And that's it. You know, there's no extended bleh period where you're kind of like, what the hell are they doing out there? You know, type thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think you could very well be right. You know, it's like, I, I definitely feel like the ceiling for this team is higher than even last year's team for sure. I do think a lot of that comes from the quarterback position, but you know, we talk about, yeah, we're talking about guys who, you know, made legitimate plays in big games last year that have not even begun to make any kind of impact, right? And so that's where they're so da- they can be so dangerous offensively. Defensively, you're talking about a young but talented unit that is really looking the part, particularly in the back seven, but looks deeper than they did last year up front. We know they're not going to have – there's no Aiden Hutchinson walking through the door. There's no David Ajabo, probably. Uh, but when guys like Jalen Harrell start to step up, Makari Page, you know, guys that have been in the program a few years, we talked about guys that are finally getting their first real opportunity to be the guy, then you feel a lot better about what that unit is going to do as the season goes along. So, yeah, in a lot of ways, I guess what we'd say – what we'd say mission accomplished, right? I mean, the, one of the things was – getting as many guys, as much experience as you possibly could heading into conference season. That's really the only way you can take a schedule like this. Uh, so not only has Michigan gotten a lot of guys in, but like you said, they've been able to do it without looking sluggish at really any point. I mean, we're talking about watching uh, Alan Bowman throw a touchdown to Leon Franklin yesterday. And, you know, even when that unit is in the game, they're still playing a quality brand of football Uh, again, overmatched opponent, but we're talking about like fifth, fourth, fifth string guys uh, coming out and like just looking better than the team they're playing. So, yeah, I mean, I also go back to Harbaugh. Was it two weeks before the season when he said, or was it a week before or right around right heading into the season over saying that this team's been ready to play a game for a couple weeks. And like that statement has stood out to me basically since the, before the season began, basically when he made it in thinking like, 
talk about feeling like your team is like fully prepared. It's normally that you coach speak. It's normally the opposite. You know, it's got a lot to work on, you know, first game. Like he's in, in the middle of August saying that his team's been ready to play a game for a week. Uh, I just always felt like it was a really strong statement from a, from a guy who's coached has, has coached at the highest levels and, and been doing this for a long time and coached some great teams uh, for him to say that. I think it was pretty, it feels like now, now you understand what he was saying when he said that, uh, because like I said, you don't normally hear coaches talk like that. So, but we've seen it now where, yeah, they've, they've kind of just steamrolled and, and not with, with little to no hiccup throughout. So like, I don't know about you, Zach. I think Michigan will destroy Maryland next week. I don't know who the who is the first challenge. Do they play Penn State or Michigan State first? I don't, I don't remember. They play who. Penn State first. Which, can we talk about – can we touch on other some other games or early conference sure. thoughts? Because, damn, I know Auburn stinks. Like, Auburn might be the worst team in the SEC this year. They're down there. But, man, did Penn State look good yesterday. Like, they – I really liked – uh, what they did yesterday on both sides of the football. So they look uh, different when they have a running back, don't they? I mean, and, and, and that, cause I, I'll give you, I'll give you credit. I think you were a little more bullish on them than I was, but man, I mean, you have a vet quarterback in Clifford who for like the, it seems like the 15th straight game just got obliterated hmm. on at least one or two plays just got destroyed. I don't know if you saw that play of him running. I think it was a third or fourth down play. He just got smoked. And uh, was back in the next drive. Penn State marches down the field, scores a touchdown. Again, I don't care if Auburn's any good. Like, Brian Harson's probably not even going to last the season. But to go into an SEC, to go on the road in the, in, against an SEC team and, and just dominate like that, Penn State definitely looks like Michigan's most formidable opponent, not named Ohio State right now, for sure. Um, so, very impressed with what Penn State did. Not surprised at all about the Washington-Michigan State game. Uh, Michigan State has not fixed their secondary issues at all. I mean, what was the that game? I was at thirty six to thirteen or something heading into the fourth quarter. I mean, the the score is not even indicative of how bad MSU got blown out. So, uh, kind of like last year, Michigan State like Michigan feels like a really bad matchup for Michigan State, but it's the one game where Michigan always seems to kind of shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, but you know, we'll I guess we'll just have to see. There's always some weird crap that happens in that game, but yeah, I just. Finally got to sit down and watch some other conference games yesterday. And, and yeah, Penn State, man, like, dang, Nick Singleton looks legit, which not a big surprise. I mean, he's the number one back in the country. But, uh, you know, their O-line looked better, too. I think that was a always kind of been a big criticism of them. But they And they always have guys yeah. on defense. So, yeah, I don't know. I was just – I, I kind of wanted to talk about that because that, that was more exciting than what Michigan did yesterday. It was kind of watching these teams, like, play against some legit competition. Yeah, well, and, and you know, no matter what you think of Michigan's overall strength of schedule, all 12 games, they I think they're the only team ranked that hasn't faced a Power 5 opponent yet. You know, I think we'd be feeling, like if the UConn game were next week and Maryland had been this week, I, you know, that would I think that would calm down some of the strength of schedule opinions that the national media seems to have about Michigan. But But at the same time, yeah, we've seen a little bit more of the other teams on Michigan's schedule than we've actually seen of Michigan so far in terms of what they really look like. Still still feel like there's like four games Michigan has to show up for this year, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, and Iowa. But I actually feel 
pretty confident. I think I, I think I picked in my game by game predictions, Michigan state and Iowa to be double digit wins and Penn state was going to be the, the real close one feeling good about Rutgers as the trap game too. They're three and zero, but, but at the same time, you know, I, I almost feel more solid about that because I, I think there's a lot of teams in the big 10 that have just major holes. Iowa's offense, Michigan state's secondary. You could argue maybe even their run game. I guess we'll, we'll see more of that as it goes along, but, but you know, their secondary. Yeah. Kenneth Walker, not, not, coming through that door for them. I don't know why people yeah. thought that you could just, you can't just, you're not just going to pick up a transfer like Kenneth Walker every year, you know, like Jalen uh, Berger. I know he's, he was a four-star guy, the kid from Colorado solid. Yeah. Yeah. But no, nah, I mean, Kenneth Walker, like we talked about in the preview episodes, what we talked about Michigan state, he won them like three or four games last year. You're not, they don't have, you're not going to find a, a guy in the transfer portal, that's going to do that for you every single season. So it's going to have to be Thorne and Reed. And I think Keon Col- Coleman, I think had a big game for them yesterday mm-hmm. too. Looks like it looks legit. Uh, it's going to, if it's for them offensively, it's, it's probably going to have to be predicated on that. It's gotta be. Yeah. And, and yeah, to the rest of the big 10, not Ohio state yet. Um, but you know, the rest of the big 10, I, I think everyone just has these major holes and that's something Michigan doesn't have. We just talked about the concerns, and we were like, maybe the pass rush, maybe running up the middle. I mean, this is a team that, that you know, you talk about, I do my position group power rankings every week. It's hard. It, the hardest part is finding out who, who I'm supposed to put at number 11 because it feels like every position group, the arrow is pointing up, not just because they're playing bad teams, but even, like, from what we saw last season. Feels like, other than edge feels like every position group uh, is on track to be and maybe offensive line so far we'll see but but is on track to be as good or better than last season so I feel like Michigan's a very complete team I feel like they're very uh, clean playing team crisp I like that word a lot and then they're just they're they're crushing they're not they're not dinking around they're not making mistakes they're not stepping on their own toes. They're just, they're just dominating. They look like robots out there in terms of how, how they're beating these bad teams. It, I know Michigan didn't want, probably didn't want it scheduled to be this bad when it scheduled Colorado state and Hawaii, but, but you know, you get what you get. I thought, thought Blake Corum had a good point yesterday. He, he had a good quote about the offense hasn't faced adversity yet. And that's something to keep in mind, but he also had another good point. We were told to play their schedule. You know, we can only play our schedule <laughs> and it's, it's true. They did exactly what they had to do against these three teams. So um, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Lots of analysis and takeaways and content over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. I'll even have a few stories kind of looking back at non-conference play overall, some of the things we learned, some of the questions we still have, and everything you need to read about Michigan football heading into Big Ten play. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. We'll see you next time.